Hey, Mary Ramsey had an article in the Charlotte Observer. Coyote sightings are up in North Carolina. How to protect yourself and your pets. We talked a little bit about that in the previous segment. So it's been in the news lately. Bats in high schools, alligator attacks in Florida, bears in the Asheville area, and coyotes and snake sightings occurring more and more frequently here in the Carolinas. The list goes forever when wildlife interacts with us, uh, but it's warmer and we're out there more and they are moving around out there more. But when we talk about wildlife activity, we're going to jump over to Song Dog Wildlife Management. We're going to bring the main man from over there, Andrew Cole, on the program to talk to us a little bit about this wildlife, mixing it up with people to a degree. Um, Andrew, welcome to the program. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. Well, Andrew, let's keep it easy to start with. Of course, warm weather's moving us around, including us people. Snakes are out there seeking warmth, you know, looking for that sunlight, and people are out there hiking, fishing, working in their yards this time of year. That's bringing these species together. How should we, outdoor folk, handle the interaction with something like snakes that we see out there? Well, in the Charlotte area, I guess we're talking Carolinas in general, but in the Charlotte area where I service, uh, you know, the the only snake that's of concern is the copperhead. Um, copperheads are a, a pit viper, so they're they're an ambush-type snake. So if you're working in and around or, or outdoors doing something, hiking, hunting, fishing, whatever, uh, you just need to be aware of, of copperheads in brushy areas, areas with thick understory, thick ground cover. And also, there at dark, uh, I get a lot of phone calls right at dark where copperheads will come out of their hiding spots, their haunts, and they'll go out on the paved areas, especially driveways, roads, pavers, patios. They'll, they'll, they'll come out of their hiding spots and charge up on the pavement. So when you get home from work, you go out to your mailbox or you go out to the vehicle to get something out or you let it go for a walk or a jog at dark you need to be aware that that's one of the primary times that copperheads are on the move uh also uh like a dripping spigot on the side of your house is attractive to copperheads pine needles periwinkle any type of thick ground cover is attractive to the different trophic levels of, of of critters that that copperheads are interested in as prey so there are some things you can do to try to avoid attracting them to your property, but mostly you can, you know, you just need to be aware that they're there and, and, and be careful when working in and around or hiking or whatever you're doing in and around thick ground story. Um, and Andrew, but, I, I, let me ask you this too. Of course, <laughs> you know, we're the outdoor show, so we like to talk about hiking, biking, hunting, fishing, all that sort of stuff. Uh, sure. that's going on we're not the home improvement guys um, and we're not the uh, the yard or landscape uh, show sure. but with that being said a lot of people are doing those things in the springtime and of course with what you do uh, at song dog uh, as far as nuisance uh, capturing wildlife all that sort of stuff i know I know, Andrew, that your phone rings off the hook in the springtime with people who are doing this stuff in the yard because they're doing their pine straw. They're doing their uh, fence fixing up and all that sort of stuff. Um, How can you tell 
How can you tell between a copperhead and just a good old friendly black snake? Sure. You, you know, black rat snakes as an adult, you know, they're, they're going to be black or like a, a faded pattern on top. They'll be, you know, have a lot of times a white chin and underbelly. You know, they're going to be a longer, you know, four or five foot, you know, six foot snake as an adult. As a juvenile, when they're born out of an egg, you know, they have a cryptic pattern, which throws people off. You know, most people aren't well, you know, schooled in, in snake identification, so they keep their distance. But uh, copperheads, they have that hourglass pattern on their on their skin, whether they're, you know, they're, they're live birth. So they'll have that pattern from the time they're born to the time they're an adult. You know, uh-huh. juvenile copperheads will have a yellow tip or a neon green tipped tail. Uh, the the eye, uh, the pupil of the uh, the copperhead is elliptical shape, whereas a lot of your non venomous species are have a round shaped pupil. Most people will joke that they'd never get that close to look at the eye, but. <laughs> Um, I would be one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, uh, copperheads, if you get to know them and study them real well, you know, they, again, they don't much change in their their color and the pattern from the time they're a juvenile to an adult snake. Um, Rat snakes, again, kind of like a deer fawn. You know, when the the, the young are born, they'll, they'll have a cryptic pattern to hide them from predators until they reach adulthood. Sometimes they'll retain that pattern. And depending on what part of North Carolina you're in, you know, rat snakes in different parts, like on the coast where I used to work, you know, they have yellow rat snakes and gray rat snakes. Some people call them a chicken snake. There's lots of different species of snakes, but, um, you know, one of, the, one of the signs, of course, is looking at the ivy. You know, water snakes all the time or misidentified that people think that they're water moccasins, you know, cotton mouth. Uh, but you want to look at the eye and, and a lot of times too, the, you know, cotton mouth, copper heads will have kind of a, 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 they have that arrow shaped head, but they'll have a sharp ridge or a sharp line above their eye where their head kind of has this blocky square edged look to the head. Um, again, you know, not people say, oh, I'm not going to get that close, but you just want to study those snake species really well. Cause there's a, there's a wide array of different non-venomous that could be misidentified from hognose snakes to water snakes, corn snakes. There's a lot of different species out there. Just, you want to keep your distance, um, and know your snakes as best as you possibly can, especially if you're out, most outdoorsmen. And people that go out and spend any time in the in the woods or in the field, you have a pretty good idea of what they're looking at. Um, but and you would yeah. you would fit that bill too. I mean, with what you do for a living, and you are uh, a trained wildlife biologist with over a decade of experience in in working with wildlife. Andrew, over at Songdog, when essentially we should leave these snakes alone, unless. Uh, unless we have to do something, even even the copperheads, if they're not in a place that's really encumbering to us, in the yard or on a hike or whatever, we should just let it be. When does Song Dog come into play? When do we need to call you? And I'm going to hint because I know you have some household extractions that you've played a part in. Sure, most of the you know like snake removals will fall, you know, especially.
especially with black rat snakes, they're an act. They, they actively explore and look look for prey, especially during the day. They'll even just out of curiosity explore places. They're very well adept at climbing. They're almost semi arboreal in in a way, like a like a tree boa. They'll they'll scale brick straight up. Uh, they'll go. So a lot of my snake calls would would be like, "Hey, come get this snake out of my kitchen or out of my house." Right. Um, copperheads. It's you know it's on my patio. It's I've had them where they were in crawl spaces or in sheds, uh, hanging around a pool area. It's mostly on the outside perimeter of the house. You know, I, 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 I you know, encourage people to not kill snakes because they do serve a purpose. But <laughs> right, that's hard to tell somebody who's terrified of them or if it really is presenting an issue. But uh, yeah, I field a lot of different calls. I do a lot more education and technical guidance with snakes than actual services. I think as people become more aware and educated with snakes, you know, they, you know, it, a lot of the snake calls where they think it's a copperhead turn out to be a juvenile species of a different, you know, a different kind of snake or, uh, you know, a totally harmless snake that they stumble across in their garden or something. But yeah, I, I've, I've, you know, most of the like inside of a house structural snake stuff that I've done is rat snakes. But I did get a call one time from a guy that says, you know, he went to go start up his, an old truck. It had been sitting for a while, and and uh, he got in it, and it's old Nissan, so a little clutch truck, and he he went to go put it in gear, turned it on, and when he mashed the clutch, it, it was like something was, like, pooling on it, like something was tied to the brake. Ooh. He was like, what is going on down there? And he looked down in his floorboard, and there's a, a, a copperhead, like, draped across the clutch, the brake, and the accelerator. So he jumped out of the truck. He calls me, tells me about it. So I go there, <laughs> check it out. He'd had, you know, mice were getting in the truck over time. The truck had been just sitting for a while. Right. And sure enough, a copperhead had made it up inside the interior of the truck. <laughs> that was a pretty wild one there. <laughs> I, I got there. The snake's gone. I pulled up the uh, where the little plastic covering is down by the by the stick shift and sure enough i see the copperhead laying up under there so i pried him out of there but um oh what a lot of calls snakes bill barty here on the carolina outdoors our guest andrew cole owner of song dog wildlife and andrew it's easy for us uh in the outdoors to as the weather warms to talk about snakes and i'm going to ask you about coyotes at the golf course in just a moment but What's another uh, animal that uh, plays a part in in the springtime, summertime, as the weather warms, uh, that interacts with us humans more that you have to deal with? Oh, you know, the public enemy number one is gray squirrels and addicts, which starts in late winter and goes clear into June. And then there will be a second litter of of squirrels that comes off in, in, in the end of summer into fall. But is going spring going into the summer you know bats you know bats will start showing up they'll either come out of hibernation here locally or they 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 migrate to our state and and set up shop and form roosts they you know the our colonial bats you have two different groups of bats solitary bats and colonial bats uh colonial bats are the structural bats ones you find that can end up in houses or churches schools commercial buildings they'll form a roost Normally they like to be up inside, like a, a, a tucked away in a in a in a covered, uh, you know, secluded spot. So soffit boxing or uh, 
construction gaps along the roof lines, anywhere above eight feet, they like to hang out. So they'll get inside structures and form a roost in there and hang. They'll leave at night and come go do their foraging on insects and then come back at twilight. Well, I do a and, lot of that work. And we just had that, of course, that made the news because uh, in South Charlotte, down, I guess it was Audrey Kell High School, that they had yep. two to three dozen uh, bats by uh, by count, I think, that were uh, took up residence in the school. So I don't know if they're changing their mascot down there yet or not, <laughs> but uh, that is one thing to one thing to consider. Sure, <laughs> Andrew. Sure, one. Th- oh, go ahead. I was going to just say I've done a lot of work with with bats in schools and churches, especially when I first started in wildlife control up in the Triad area. But um, yeah, it's pretty common. Any type of structure up that they can get in, you know, get inside of, get into a wall void or boxing, uh, you know, bats will find a home there. It present an issue with guano and, and urine accumulations. Even though it's less than two percent, they are carriers of rabies. So that's why there's, uh, you know, uh, not unwarranted hysteria about it, but it should be concerns when there are bats and structures. Right, and I guess once you do a removal or, or doing a consultation, one of the things over at Songdog is reentry prevention that you work on. So um, once those sure. things are gone, to prevent them from, from coming back. Sure, it goes hand in hand. You know, I always describe bat exclusion work is a three-step process. First, you, you go there, inspect the structure, and quote. And then uh, upon approval, you go there and you start sealing, screening, shielding, vent guarding, bat-proofing the structure. And along the way, anywhere there's active entry points or where the bats are going in and out, you install cones or valves, like a basically one-way door for those bats to exit but not regain entry. And then the third step would be to come back, pull all the cones, all the bat release devices, and and then finish your seal-up work. And then sometimes, you know, if accessible or doable, you you know, there can be guano cleanups where you, you know, go in and remove physically or with a HEPA filter vacuum, you remove the guano accumulations uh, that may be inside structures. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it, it, it's a process that, um, you know, you have to have a detailed eye for. What an exciting job. If you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, the voice over there, Andrew Cole, he is the main man at Songdog Wildlife Management, uh, specializing in nuisance wildlife capture, removal, reentry prevention, and more, probably as much education and consultation, which is what he's doing with us here on the Carolina Outdoors to, to let us know what's happening out there as the weather's warmer, and us humans are out there more and more, and we get to interact uh, with more and more wildlife, how we should handle ourselves, and what we should expect. And, Andrew, of course, I mentioned I'm sure you get calls w- for identifying snakes that uh, some of your clients are calling for, needing help with, and consultation. We do the same at Jesse Brown's, and one of the phone calls that we had recently, we've had several, because one of the items that we have uh, on sale there at Jesse Brown's is pepper spray, bear spray. For, uh, and so we take phone calls of, you know, my my wife saw a coyote here or we were at the driving range and a coyote came out of the woods. Uh, uh, and so we have people coming in to get this pepper spray, this bear spray, just for their own protection and their pet's protection. Tell us, do you have any interactions with coyotes out there and 
how we should handle ourselves with coyotes in the Charlotte area. Oh, yeah, the, the, the coyote, another name for the coyote is the song dog. So that's where I came up with the name for my company. Oh, yes. Branding around it. I do quite a bit of coyote work in and around Charlotte. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just finished working on a job um, over in the Foxcroft area. Oh, South Charlotte, there's a, yes. There's been a, a male coyote over there I've been trying to catch for a while now. I've already caught two females back a ways back. But, um, yeah, I mean, coyotes, and I tell everybody this, is that they're an opportunistic predator. So nobody can speak with absolution about what they can and can't do. They're an opportunistic ah. predator that, that may gauge or size up any situation that they see fit. And, you know, so... You can you can take a lot of cultural methods and precautions to prevent issues with coyotes, and most of your situations, you know, there's not going to be a, a, an issue. But um, you know, they are opportunistic predators. So small dogs, small cats outdoors, um, unattended small children. You know, we've been seeing more and more attacks on kids and, and people as as there's more animals moving into urban and suburban environments. Uh, and, and they prefer to be there. A lot of people say, we moved them out of their habitat. Sure, that may be the true truth, but they also like to be in places like Uptown Charlotte and these boroughs that, like Myers Park and Foxcroft and Noda, where I've done work, because those animals are not pressured, they're not hunted, they're not trapped, they're not shot at by farmers. They have a, a plethora of different food sources and availability to them, and they live like kings. They're the apex predators in those environments. And so when you have animals that are born and raised in those environments, animals that adapt to them, they become brazen. And so there's the, you know, there's always the, the potential for a coyote to bite risk and attack risk. But especially with, uh, you know, coyotes hanging around, you know, trying to nab a pet. If you leave a small dog or a cat outside unattended, there's always a chance there could be an attack uh, or, you know, I see missing, I see missing cat posters all over Charlotte and I know what that is. Right. Uh, yep. I went ahead and took those down by the way, mine anyway, <laughs> I lost two cats that way, but <laughs> yeah. we know what yeah. happened. Yeah. Unfortunately you see it, it, it's, it's going on. It's, and they're everywhere. Coyotes are all across the southeast and mid-Atlantic. Every one of the 100 counties in North Carolina has coyotes. They got here through range expansion, artificial range expansion. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's been some importations uh. because of the live market trade that where they escaped or it kind of inflated the situation. They're here to stay. And so you can take measures and things to protect yourself and your pets. I mean, carrying around a a can of mace, you'd probably, or a bear spray, you'd probably never use it on a coyote, but you never know. I mean, they're, they're, when they had all those brush fires out in, the, out in California and all the coyotes were pushed out of the hills down into these urban and suburban environments and they didn't, and the, and the coyotes were all pushed in there and they didn't, and they were hungry. They were ripping dogs out of leashes out of people's hands. Well, so that that's a fair thing. That is a worry, and that's where where the pepper spray came in from Jesse Brown. Sure. Andrew Cole, sure. thank you so much from Song Dog Wildlife. Let me get the website. Check my work here, Andrew. Songdogwildlife.com. If you have any pest wildlife uh, needs, Andrew's the man to call over at Song Dog.
named after the howling, bone-chilling sounds of the coyote. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors. Thank you for having me on, Bill. It was my pleasure. We love it. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, and wrap this thing up called the Carolina Outdoors.